Good morning, how are we doing? Good morning. Good to uh, see you. Uh, Easter last week was amazing. Uh, great to, to have you guys come and worship uh, God and celebrate the resurrection uh, of Christ. Super excited. We're starting a brand a new series this morning called Loving uh, My Neighbor. And so if someone were to ask you what is the most important thing uh, that you could do with your life, what would it be? And you would probably say something uh, like loving God. That would be uh, correct, right? You would be right on the money. But what if I asked you what the second most important thing you could do with your life? Then what would you say? <laughs> Question was asked of Jesus several times. One of them was in Matthew 22. Guy comes up to Jesus, asks this question. It says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? In other words, if there's only one thing that I can get out of the Bible, what's the most important thing? Jesus goes on, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and your mind. It's the first and greatest commandment. So, so the number one thing we can do in everyday life is to get to know God a little bit better. Learn to love him a little bit more each day. And then Jesus said this, and the second most important thing to do, that's my little commentary, is like it. Love, the na- love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and all the prophets hang on these two commandments. He says, let me summarize the entire Bible for you in two sentences, like the cliff notes of the Bible, right? One is love God, two is love others. So, so last Monday, Trudy and my dad and I went to see the movie. Paul, have you, have you seen that movie? Well, well, in the movie, at one point, there's uh, these group of guys and they get mad about how Nero is persecuting them like Nero was a bad dude. I don't know if you know this, but Nero would take Christians and and line the street with them on these poles and let them or light them on fire so that it would light the way. That's Nero, right? And so they were getting a little upset about the persecution that Nero was was uh doing to them and so they wanted to fight back. And both Luke and Paul tell them that the Christian life is all about love. That's what they said. It's not about the accomplishments. It's not about the achievements. Those are all great things. But the most important thing is to love God and love your neighbor as yourself. So over the next few weeks, because I think this is an important thing, We're going to focus on the second one, how to love your neighbors. Because honestly, we probably all struggle with this one. You might think you're good at it, but in reality, you're probably really not. And neither am I, right? Well, we just don't do it well. And Jesus said it's the second most important thing that we can do in life. In fact, the command to love your neighbor as yourself is not mentioned once. It's not mentioned twice, five or six times, not even eight. It's mentioned ten times in the Bible. Now, now, if something here, here's my big takeaway from all the college and seminary and all that stuff. If something's mentioned like a lot in the Bible, 
You're supposed to like, like take notice of that. But, but how in the world did, did we do that? That that's what we're going to talk about the next few weeks. And my goal after the three weeks is over is that all of us here at New Creation Fellowship would be known as loving people. Like people at your work in, in your neighborhood, they should say this. They should say, see that guy right there? See that gal right there? They know how to love people. Right? That's what they should say about us. So not only did Jesus say this, but Paul said it too. Galatians 5, Paul says the entire law is summed up in one single sentence, one commandment. You should love your neighbor as yourself. So, so to make sure we don't forget this, Jesus tells this story, right? It's probably one that you're familiar with. It's called the story of the Good Samaritan. And there are probably hundreds of Good Samaritan hospitals in the United States of America because of this story, right? So let's get started. Go ahead and take your Bibles out. Turn with me to Luke chapter 10. We're going to look at verses 25 to 29 to get started. It says, and behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test. Now, now let's just stop right there for a second. Okay. okay? The, the, the lawyer is an expert on Jewish uh, mosaic and rabbinical law tested Jesus. And the idea behind the, the ancient Greek word for tested isn't necessarily like he's like being mean or, or evil about it. This may have been a sincere question by a sincere person wanting to know the answer. So, so saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Great question. He said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as uh, yourself. So, so write down in your notes this morning as yourself. That's the radical part. Notice Jesus didn't say be nice or, or kind to people. He, he says love them as much as you love yourself. Right, The lawyer was wise enough to know that this is the essence of the law. Now, now all he has to do is what? Go out and live it. He continues, verse 28, and he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desire, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Right? Got to love that. Sounds like a lawyer. Right? They go through this conversation, what do you think, uh, you know, shows that you're going to go to heaven. Well, love God, love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, that's right. And so the guy says, well, who's my neighbor exactly? Because, and what is he doing here? He's looking for the loophole, right? He's saying, if I can get away with it, I only want to love like certain people. So, so he's, like, what are we talking about here, Jesus? Is it like just like my Facebook friends? Is that what we're talking about? Or, or, or is it my neighbor neighbor? Like neighbor in my neighborhood neighbor? Or, or, or the people I work with? Or what we're talking about? Is it like the entire world exactly, Jesus? What are we talking about here? Okay, can you define for me 
well, what you really mean, because I don't want to have love people that, that I really don't want to love. Right? So we're going to quantify this thing. And the reality is, is that all of us kind of have that attitude, don't we? In the rest of the passage, we're going to see three possible attitudes that we can have towards people uh, in our lives. Those that we work with, live with, go to school with, what, whatever. Go ahead and take your note sheets out of your program. You can follow along with me as we walk through this. The first attitude that we can have is, is uh, I can keep my distance. Right? This is the attitude of the first traveler, the priest. Right? It's an attitude of avoidance. The Bible tells the story starting in verse 30 and 31. Excuse me. Jesus replied, and a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him uh, half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on uh, the other side. Let's just stop there for a second. So, so the road to uh, Jerusalem is like literally down. And I think we have a picture of what that might look like, right? So here's the road uh, or one similar to it. And it's like going down off of the, this mountain. They're literally going down. It's kind of like going from Mount Spokane to downtown Spokane, right? You're coming down the mountain. And in the road, there are a lot of curves and it's easy for robbers to hide out. And as you came down the winding road, you were going down an elevation, and it was known as a place where people would get jacked up, right? That's what would happen. It's not like the safest part of Israel. It's like the Sprague Street of Israel, right? So, so this guy is going down the road, gets stopped, out behind the bend, Here come the robbers. He gets attacked. He's beaten up. They steal all his clothes. He's left for dead. He says the first guy happens to walk by as a priest. Now, by chance, a priest was going down the road, and when he saw me, he passed by on the other side. Right? He he just avoids the guy that's badly injured. He ignores him. He keeps his distance, right? Out of sight, out of mind. This is the attitude that says I can't get too close to someone because they might need something. They might ask for help. And if we keep all of our relationships superficial, right, you don't have to get involved in the mess that we call life. Keep your distance. Be distracted. Don't let people get too close to you. Keep your neighbors at arm's length. Because then you don't have to be bothered by them. Right? That, that's the priest. Second attitude we see is the second traveler. And that is, is that I can be curious but uninvolved. Right? Second guy's a Levite. Verse 32. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, pass by on the other side. So both of these religious officials see their Jewish brother lying in a terrible state, neither of them doing uh, anything, and they both pass by on the other side. And, and the Levite's not like a car salesman, right? He's like a temple assistant. 
These are like two religious guys, a priest and a Levite. They're dressed in their like righteous robes of self-righteousness and they do nothing when they see this guy in pain. And I think this guy's even worse than the priest because he you know, sees the guy that's beaten up, the guy's naked and he's bloody and he's laying on the side of the road and the Levite guy walks over and he looks at him, right? And then, and then he goes, hmm. Well, that's pretty interesting. And then he goes and walks to the other side of the road and continues on his way. Well, we read this story and we say to ourselves, I would never do that, right? You know what I think? I think we do it all the time. How many of us, I mean, I do this all the time. You roll up on an accident. When we stare at what happens. We don't stop. I don't get like get out of the car, right? We love to stare, but not stop. It's exactly what this guy does. And then there's a third response. Number three is I can treat them how I want to be treated. So, so the people in your neighborhood, the people that you live next to, you can treat them the way you want to be treated. Right? The people you go to school with, the people you deal with in the grocery store, the clerks at the mall, the servers at restaurants that we go to. Right? We can treat them all like you would want to be treated, or you can keep your distance, or you can be curious and uninvolved. But, but verse 33 says this, But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. Right Now Jesus, you know, he loves to turn the tables on people. Right, so, so he picks like the most despised person or type of person to be the hero of the story. Right, when Jesus' listeners heard about the priest and the Levite, they probably expected Jesus to say that a common Jewish man came and helped. Right, and the story would be another way that Jesus could show the corruption of the religious leaders in that day. But, but, but Jesus, he didn't do that, right? He shocks them by saying the man who, that, that helped the guy was a what? A Samaritan. Now, now, generally speaking, Jews and Samaritan, they, they like hated each other. And that's probably not too strong of a word. Right? They, they, they hated each other both racially and, and religiously. You're right, the culture gave the Samaritan plenty of reasons to hate this Jewish man and just pass him by. Some rabbis even back then, they taught that a Jew was forbidden to help a Gentile woman who, who was giving birth. You know why? Because if he did, he, he, he would just be helping one more Gentile to come into the world. And why in the world would you do that? Right, that, that was... The attitude. But this guy treats this man with compassion the way he would want to be treated if he was lying there in a pool of blood. Right? Matthew 7, 12, Jesus said this, So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. It's the golden rule. We learned it in the Sermon on the Mount series that we just finished up. If we're going to become great lovers of people, we need to learn to love our neighbor as ourselves. And that's my prayer. 
that we would be known around Spokane. We'd have a reputation of a church that, like these people, the most loving people on the face of the planet. And to do that, we need to do four things that the Good Samaritan did. It's the second part of your outline. The first one is we must see their needs, right? This is a principle of sensitivity. Love is sensitive. Love begins with looking. You can't meet a need unless you see the need. And it begins with observation. It begins with seeing. Luke 10, 33. But the Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. Man, there's people all around us with needs, right? They're sitting in the row that you're in this morning, right? They're sitting right next to you today. People have all kinds of needs. And we know the big ones we always talk about, right? Financial, emotional, relational needs, and those are all needs. But there are also people that, that have needs like they've been betrayed. And they have a need, Right? Or they've been wounded by grief. People all around us with needs, and sometimes we just don't see it. Why? Because we don't have what I call our spiritual eyes open. Right? We don't see it. It's not that we don't care. It's not because you're hard-hearted. You're not. We don't see it because most of the time we're what? We are just flat out too busy to see it. Right? Busyness kills kindness. Right? The busier we are, the less loving we are. We can't love your kids, your spouse, your neighbors, your coworkers if we're just flat out too busy. There's just not enough time to pull it off. And so the Samaritan, he's walking along the road. He came uh, where he was and he saw him and he had compassion on him. Right? We, we don't see the, the, the guy on the side of the road if we're so focused on where we're going and in a big hurry to get there. How do we meet the needs of those around us? We have to what? Slow down. So one of the big uh, dreams of Trudy and myself, our, our life, is one day we want to take a trip uh, around the United States of America. That, that's just one of our, our dream trips, right? Like, we've never been on the, the East Coast before, and, and I got to think about how are you going to go do this. Like, you could fly, right, but at 35,000 feet and 355 miles per hour, you're not going to see a whole lot, and I'm not flying anyway, and you all know why, right? That's just the way that's going to roll. Right? You could take a train... Slower the go, you go, the more you see, and so it gets a little bit better. But if we really want to see the country, we probably need to what? Drive a car. And so you go even slower, you stop at this town, you stop at that town, you get to see a little bit more in, in a car. It's probably the way we're going to do it if we, in fact, ever get that opportunity to pull it off. What we could do, if I could convince my wife, is we could ride a bike. <laughs> right? We would see even more. Or better yet, we could walk, right? That's the last one. Right? You, you get the point. The slower we go, the more we see. The, the, the same is true with the needs of people, right? The faster we go, the less we see the needs of others. So, so this good Samaritan Evidently, was a sensitive guy. He saw, he stopped, he slowed down. 1 Corinthians 10, 24, don't 
do not look out only for yourselves. Look out for the good of others also. So, so it's okay to, to look out for your own good. But the question is, do we look out for the interest of others? Some, some, some of you do. Some of you are sensitive people, right? It comes natural to you. You're tuned in to the emotions and the needs of, of others. But for the rest of us, right, the fact is most of us are not sensitive people. Like I'm not a sensitive person by nature. I have to learn that. Naturally, I want to run away when I see someone in pain of any kind. Right? It's something I have to work at all the time. And I ask God constantly to give me a comfort with the needs of others. To, to love people starts with looking. It starts with sensitivity. And if I were to ask you how sensitive you are to your neighbors, the, the, the people that live right next door to you, what would you say? Or, or if I were to ask you to write down the name of a person who is not a believer that you see on a weekly basis, would you be able to write that name down and, and if he can't, that's another issue. We'll get to that later. But most of us can. Most of us know a neighbor, a family member, a coworker, somebody that, that doesn't know Christ. But what if I asked you if you knew what their biggest struggle was? Could, could you tell me that? If you can't, then you're not loving your neighbor as yourself. Why? Because you know what your biggest struggle is. Galatians 6, 7, and 8, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. It's the principle of sowing and reaping. Right? The application goes beyond giving and supporting teachers and ministers, which is the context here. It also is a general application in life. We often uh, get out what we put in, right? Yet Paul is, is not promoting some spiritual law of karma here that ensures that, that we get good when we do good or always get bad when we do bad. That's not what he is talking about. Instead, Paul simply relates the principle of sowing and reaping in the way that we manage our resources before the Lord. In terms of reaching people for Christ, our one resource that we have, or one of them is what? Our neighbors. And the application for us is since God did not put us here on this planet to live for ourselves, he put us here to love him and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Right? We will reap what we sow. Uh, All right, the second thing that, that the guy does right um, that we need to do as well is I must sympathize with their pain. So, so I see their needs and I sympathize with their pain. Sensitivity starts with the eyes. Sympathy starts with the heart. Right? It's not enough just to see the need and, and, and try to step out and help that. That's, that's okay. That's not enough though. Our emotions have to kick in. We have to feel what they feel. The Bible says that we weep with those who weep. Last part of verse 33, and when he saw him, he had what? Compassion. Right? First the eyes kick in, then the heart. How, how does the heart kick in? Sympathy begins with the ears. Want to be more sympathetic with your spouse, your kids, people around you? One word for you this morning is just to listen. Right? Listening is the key to sympathy. The more I talk, the less sympathetic I am. I, I don't know about you, but I need to practice this. Right? 
probably could start in my marriage relationship, right? I, I, we go out to dinner all the time. I'm, I'm like going, what did you say? What did you say? Right? Because my mind is not listening. It's somewhere else. I have to be intentional about listening. Listening is active, not passive. Because we all have two fundamental needs in life. We need to be understood and we need to feel validated. Now, I need somebody in my life who says, I understand you, I get you, I know what you're thinking. And then I need somebody in my life who will validate me. No, you're not that weird. You're a little bit weird, but you're not that weird. (laughs) Right? You're not crazy. Uh, Guess what? I have that fear too. We need to feel validated. You can give your spouse a huge gift and be that person for them. Do you like to be understood and validated? Yes, you do. Then that's how we love our neighbors as ourselves. Galatians 6, 2 says, share each other's burdens and in this way, obey the law of Christ. So, so every time we share each other's burdens, our sorrows, our troubles, our problems, you are sympathetic as you listen and you obey the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? To love one another. And when we love our neighbor as ourselves, we're loving one another. Uh, all right, if we're going to be like the Good Samaritan, love our neighbors as ourselves, then number three, I must seize the moment to help. Right? Don't wait, don't delay, don't procrastinate. Uh, I do what I can in that moment. Love is not just sensitive and, and sympathetic. Love is spontaneous. It doesn't wait. It sees the need and it moves in. Verse 34, he went to him and he bound up his womb, pouring oil and wine. And then he, he sets him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. Notice the phrase, went to him. Right, he, he does three things here. First, he takes initiative. He, he doesn't wait for his neighbor to come to him. A lot of times uh, we say, you know, I'd love to help my neighbor. All they have to do is ask. Right? That, 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 let me tell you something, that's not real love. Right? Real love is you go to them. Right? You don't wait for them to, to come to you with a physical problem, financial problem, emotional problem. You take the initiative. That's spontaneity. Uh, I've said this a million times. Love is not a feeling. Love is something that you do. Love is a choice. Otherwise, it could not be commanded. All through scripture, you and I are commanded to love and you cannot command a feeling. It's like if I were to say to my grandkids, Nessa, Sandra, I command you to be happy. They'd go, what? Right? You can't force a feeling, but you can command an action and love is something that you do. The second thing he does is he uses what he has. Notice it says that he bound up his wound and he poured oil and wine on them. I thought that was a little strange. Oil and wine. I'm like, dude's not a salad. I mean, what are we doing here? (laughs) Right? Well, why does he use oil and wine? Well, for one, probably it's all he has, right? He's not a doctor. He's traveling and all he has with him is oil and wine. And then it happens that that wine contains alcohol and it's an antiseptic effect on this guy's wounds and the oil would help soothe the wounds, easing the pain. And then thirdly, he bandages him. Where, Where did he get the bandages from? Right? He didn't use the clothes of the hurt guy because he's like stripped naked, right? So he uses his own clothes. He takes off his own shirt 
ties it around this guy's bloody arm, leg, whatever, right? It's pretty impressive. If we're going to learn to love our neighbors as ourselves, we have to get used to being interrupted. Because love is oftentimes inconvenient. Love takes time. Like your schedule gets way off, trust me. Right, your calendar gets all messed up when you learn to be a good Samaritan. So think of all the excuses this guy could have given. Stare but not stop, right? He could have said, man, uh, like I'm on my way to Jericho for, for a business meeting. I don't have time for this. Right, or he could have said, I got my own problems. I'm out of work. How can I help somebody else? Or he could have said, he's probably dead anyway. He looks pretty beat up and he could have just walked on by or rode on by. I mean, just think of the excuses he could have given. Like, this guy is beyond help anyway, so let's just keep on going. Galatians 6.10, therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. Can, can I just say this morning that nothing happens in life by accident? Everything is father-filtered, right? It's all controlled by God. Well, like a thousand years before you were born, God knew the person that, that was in need that would come into your life at that moment. It didn't just happen, right? It's not a circumstance by chance. I already told you what I thought about luck. I don't believe in it, right? Things happen for a purpose. The, the other thing we have to do if we're going to love well is we have to move against our fears, right? We have to learn to do things that we fear in order to love our neighbors as Ourselves. I mean, think about the fears of the good Samaritan that, that he could have had, right? Like, what if the robbers are still around? Here I'm, I'm helping this bloody guy on the ground, and what if the robbers are, are still there and they rob me, right? Natural fear. Or he could have thought, what if this is a trap? What if I try to help him and then his friends come and, and I, you know, they beat me up and take all my stuff? Or what if I go over to help this guy and he just flat out rejects my help? Like, I'm going to feel real dumb. Or, or what if I get over there and the needs are so deep and, and the wounds are so great that, that I can't help? What if he asked me to do something that I flat out just can't do? All of those fears could have gone through the mind uh, of the good Samaritan. And if we're going to help our neighbors as ourselves we, and be used by God, right, at work, at school, in your neighborhood, we're going to have to move against our fears. Proverbs 3, 27, 28, do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it's in your power to help them. If you can help your neighbor now, don't say, come back tomorrow and then I will help you. Right? In other words, it says what? Don't delay. Do the kindness now. And when someone loses a loved one, call them now. When someone gets fired from their job, call them now. When somebody has a miscarriage, call them now. Don't wait. Don't delay. Why is that so hard? Fear. I'll tell you why. Right? One of the biggest fears we have is we don't want to get involved in other people's pain because it reminds us of our own pain. Right? I don't want to get involved with other people's brokenness because it reminds me of my brokenness. And if I ignore your brokenness, then I have to deal with my brokenness. We have to get past that fear. All right, number four. The fourth thing that I have to do is I must spend whatever it takes. 
sympathizing with their needs, seize the moment to help, spend whatever it takes. Why? Because there's always a cost to kindness, right? Love costs. The cross is a great example of love at its greatest cost. Giving your life for someone else. And that cost usually requires sacrifice. A sacrifice of time, energy, reputation, money, you name it. Genuine love is sensitive, sympathetic, spontaneous, and sacrificial. To check out verses 34 and 35. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pulling oil and wine, and they set him on his own animal, brought him to the inn, and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. See what he did? So, so first he puts him on his donkey, which means now he's walking. Right, He takes him to the motel, gets him through the night, pays the bill. The next day he says, hey, if it costs more, just let me know. He, he does everything he can to help this guy out. And, and what does he gain from all this? Well, see, he doesn't get anything financially from it, right? Proverbs eleven seventeen: your, ki- your kindness will reward you, but your cruelty will destroy you. So there's that, right? Uh, and, and, and I guess when you help other people in need, when, when you do the Good Samaritan thing, you give your time and your energy and your money, God does say we're storing up treasures in heaven, right? And then Jesus ends the story with a question, verses 36 and 37. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He, he said the one that showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Right? The application is, is, is hearing about love and doing it. Or hearing about a need and, and, and just meeting it. It's exactly what... We need to do. Go go and do likewise. And and again, that's my prayer for our church, that we would be a body of believers, that we would just go and do likewise, right? We would love others as much as we love ourselves. All right, let's pray. Father God, thank you for uh, your word today. God, I want to thank you this morning for your extravagant kindness to us, that, that you sent Jesus to die on a cross for our sins. So God, would you help us this morning not to be uncaring or apathetic to those people around us. And God, we want to be a people who love our neighbors as ourselves. And so God, would you help us to take these four steps to to loving our neighbors and would you help us to, to do that well? God, I pray even this week, God, that you would give us opportunity to to, to go and do likewise. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.